Okay, hello there and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. Tim, it's August. Can you believe it? I can't, no. (laughs) Things are moving so fast. (laughs) But... uh, I thought for sure you were going to say that you could believe it, and that would puncture, you know, the whole balloon here for the the opening of this this year's show. But no, I didn't want to puncture it this time. <laughs> this time, <laughs> reserving <laughs> reserving the right to puncture it next time, though. Yeah, August is a great month, and uh, like we were saying before we came on the air, you know, there's a lot of summer left in September of, too. Yep. So everybody yeah. who says summer's almost over, come on, yeah smart enough really check yourself check yourself before you wreck yourself exactly uh end credits is a local movie show for local movie fans we're here every wednesday at 3 p.m to talk the latest in pop culture and review the news movies which this week will be the new stop motion slash live action mockumentary marcel the shell with shoes on which you might be able to see at a theater near you if you're listening to us on wednesday afternoon i believe there's still a couple of days left it's it's at the bookshelf um, which is where I saw it, um, but it is an art house movie, so you will have to find an art house somewhere to see it, or uh, perhaps wait until it emerges on VOD, which these days uh, is not too long. But uh, there you go. In the meantime, uh, before we get to the review, we're going to have a bit of, uh, uh, I guess, a, a reminiscence about the year so far. it's already august so (laughs) (laughs) let's look back yeah so i mean it's uh we're we're kind of keeping in mind that the show is going to take a couple of weeks off um uh, for the second half of the month and uh you know so it seems like a good time to to look back lean back and look at some of the movies uh we think uh, may end up defining the year 2022 um by the time we get to december we do have a lot of fun at that year-end show where we do our, our top five of the year and so we're <laughs> a little little christmas in august uh doing a <laughs> doing how doing the best of the year so far or at least our favorites of the year so far i wouldn't go so far as to say uh all of my picks are the best but uh they are definitely movies that stick out in my mind um as as good movie experiences so far this this 2022 christmas in august <laughs> let's open up the presents let's open up the presents so tim you open up your first present uh what was one of your favorite movies so far this year yeah so the my first of my favorites and it fits with being one of my favorites of the year and not but not necessarily one of the very best of the year mm. was the movie elvis because mm-hmm. um, for a lot of personal reasons, um, my dad, he's a huge Elvis buff. He's just an Elvis fanatic. So <laughs> I took, I took him to see this movie, um, when it was first, first came out and, uh, we had a great experience. It's, it does, it does justice to Elvis in the performances in, in, in a, you know, a lot, just showing what a strong, charismatic performer he was and Mm -hmm. that's what most both myself and my my dad love about elvis so my dad since we saw it the first time has already seen it two more times oh wow he's yeah 
Um, definitely a fanatic when it comes to Elvis. And I'm a big fan too. Uh, went and saw an Elvis impersonator a few years back <laughs> doing Aloha from Hawaii with my dad. And that was a blast. Uh, and I thought th- this movie, it, like I said, really did justice to Elvis, the performer. Mm. Um, and uh, Baz Luhrmann and his, you know, frenetic style. I, <laughs> I really appreciated it in this film. I know there was some criticism, like it's like one big music video, but mm-hmm. I think that really suited this, uh, this content uh, to really focus on um, Elvis throughout the years. And just, you know, from the hip shaking in the fifties to his 68 comeback special, which is one of my favorite Elvis moments uh, is that comeback special where he was just such a fierce performer and entertainer. He was Mm -hmm. like a a lion finally released from a cage during that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the uh, movie does a great job capturing that it, it captures it almost to a T it's like pretty much like a facsimile of the concert in many ways. Like there's one moment in the 68 comeback special where Austin Butler, his hand is shaking when he goes to reach for the microphone Mm -hmm. Um, during the first song and that's that really happened to Elvis his hand was really shaking he was so nervous coming back after such a long hiatus doing doing his silly movies for years and finally getting back to live performing that his hand shook just like that so it was uh definitely uh in that moment 100% imitation but it I myself and my dad really we turned to each other during that moment we're like yes this is this is uh, this is really capturing the spirit of Elvis, especially during that 1968 comeback special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, so it is one of my favorites of the year. I can see where it's you know, by no means a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of elements in it where uh, Baz Luhrmann showing Elvis is almost like a civil rights pioneer, which <laughs> probably wasn't the case, right? Mm. Like they're all—he's trying to throw in a lot of the historical aspects, like the assassinate assassination of Martin Luther King. Um, you know, a, a lot of what was going on during that time. And I'm um, sure Elvis was aware of it, but I, I don't think he was, you know, out front of a lot of those issues. Um, but I thought. It was, yeah, a very, very entertaining film. More criticism was probably doled out for Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. Mm-hmm. But I thought it, it kind of worked, you know, is his over-the-top villain character. Could have probably used more new, uh, you know, more fine details there. But at the same time, it is this overwhelming, over-the-top Baz Luhrmann flick. So... You know, I don't really need as many character details there. And I thought it was an interesting character, you know, and it's sort of, it's told from his perspective. Um, And, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that was fabricated, but a lot of it was true as well. He was this carnival showman who, uh, who was this just, pure businessman who uh very unethical person but he made a lot of money for elvis and for the presley estate like a lot of uh a lot of concert and uh music managers of the day and into the 60s and 70s and Hmm. uh, it was 
you know, I thought the performance, you know, kind of hammed it up, but Colonel Tom Parker was such an over the top character in real life. Like people didn't know where his accent came from. Cause he was trying to talk like a Southern American when he was, uh, when he was, when he was Dutch. So, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really mind that all that much. So yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just full of great performances, especially from a musical standpoint. Um, I'm not like my dad where I'm probably not going to see it two or three more times, <laughs> but I, I found it quite entertaining. And uh, I, I thought it captured a lot, a lot about Elvis. I thought it was uh, highly entertaining and I would recommend it for anyone, especially in, to see it in a theater. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought with the, with the sound you get in a theater with um, just the over top, over the top nature of it, I would definitely recommend Elvis. Uh, yeah, I would too. Although, you know, before going to see Elvis, I in and you had asked me, you know, which of the two actors would deliver the more caricature performance, the the Disney Channel kid playing Elvis or Tom Hanks. I would have definitely said the Disney Channel kid <laughs> playing Elvis, but that's like the finely nuanced performance, and Tom Hanks is <laughs> is uh, definitely uh, playing to the to the uh, upper levels um, as Colonel Parker. Um, yeah. My, my first pick is uh, I don't know if it's a good movie. Um, it's not a great movie, but it is filled with so many images. Uh, it fills you with so many feelings. Uh, it's hard to shake after you've seen it. It is Alex Garland's men uh, starring Jesse Buckley and uh, Roy Kinnear, who plays many, many characters, including a young boy in it, um, which <laughs> is, is highly disturbing to see because there is some digital trickery to put Roy Kinnear's face on that of a child um, around the age of 12 or 13. It doesn't include. Let's just say it doesn't entirely work and almost takes you completely out of the movie, but that almost kind of works in the movie's favor. Uh, but just like there, there's so much going on, uh, you know, meditations on what it means to be misogynistic, what it means to be a woman, uh, what it means to be in a relationship, what it means to be a survivor. And it all takes place in this idyllic little English village. Um you know, with just these beautiful vistas and, and I can't, I forgot to look up who the cinematographer was, but they really capture the greenage around this cottage and around this village. It's like, uh, I don't know if any sort of after effects fixing was involved, but it's like they punched up the green. So you're just like inundated with the greenness of of around you. And it's just, it's, it's so serene, the setting, even though what's sort of going on psychologically in the film is so deeply disturbing. Um, And the sound design is, is so perfect, especially the scene where uh, the Jesse Buckley character is walking along this trail and there's a, this archway over a Creek and she starts singing and the echo passes through. And it's just like this little meditation. She finds this little piece of like quiet serenity in this idyllic setting. And she's, uh, singing and, and listening to the echo bounces off. Of course, it, it ends up being disturbed because this woman can't get a moment's peace in this story um, without it being, uh, she can't get any peace of mind without it being lobotomized, in other words. But yeah, it, it, I'm not sure th- the story makes sense. I'm not sure Alex Garland is saying exactly what he wants to say, but 
God, this was an experience. Um, it's just, it feels so taxing by the end of it. Um, and, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be narratively perfect. You know, maybe just the fact that you walked out of that theater filled with so many thoughts and feelings and, and images and sort of messed up emotions. You know, if, if that's what you leave the theater with after seeing this, it's an experience. And uh, I'm not sure it's great art, but it is uh, it is definitely a great experience. Um, I'm, I wonder if it'll work the same sort of revisiting it on streaming when it inevitably arrives but like as a movie theater experience uh it was something else awesome yeah (laughs) need to check that out yeah check it out and i i i don't know if it's when it's available if it's available yet um i always check out sort of what's on the the cineplex releases when tuesday comes around and i haven't seen it yet but yeah it's yeah i mean i'm interested to see how it plays at home like as a big screen experience it's almost overwhelming but Anyway, let's get get a bigger screen then. Get a bigger screen. That's right. (laughs) All right, Tim, what is your uh, number two? Number two for me is The Northman, Mm -hmm. uh, something that we did review on end credits together. Uh, I I thought it's just a wild movie. It's an epic berserk historical action thriller directed by Robert Eggers. Um, uh, The plot follows Amleth a Viking prince who is on a quest to uh, avenge the murder of his father. And uh, I think it inspired Hamlet. It's like Norse Mm -hmm. mythology. So Mm -hmm. it comes before Shakespeare wrote Hamlet, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense. And really the movie, it's just uh, sensory overload for me seeing it in the theater. It was, (laughs) um, I just, it, it was you know, I was just so enthralled by what I was seeing, like during some of the ceremonial action where they're acting like wild animals, mm-hmm. um, the, the battle scene, the berserkers where um, they're just pulling people off of horses and like battling them and just, just like, just full of rage. It's just, wild to see it's so like in your face mm-hmm. um in your face violence <laughs> um but it, I, it really well done um and i just felt that um you know robert eggers wanted to see it after seeing the lighthouse and he, it didn't disappoint mm-hmm. um for me it's not only one of my favorite movies one of the best movies of the year that i've seen Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if it really got its due. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard from mm-hmm. other people who actually haven't seen it that they heard oh, it was just one big battle scene, or they, mm-hmm. they they had heard it had gotten like sort of some negative word of mouth um, and some sort of negative critical appraisals. But I don't think that's uh, fair to the movie. And the performances are all all top notch. Alexander Skarsgård as Amleth is just very intense but yet you know not just he's not just like an action star like there's a lot of action in the film but you can see there's like a lot of acting a lot of interior character being Mm. being thrown at you Anya Taylor-Joy as Olga the love interest of Amleth Mm -hmm. is very very good as well Ethan Hawke 
who I, <laughs> I just, I love him and everything. And he's Amleth's father in this. And that's where this ceremony early on with Willem Dafoe playing the fool, um, when they're working on, uh, sort of the transition for Amleth to become a man and to become King. And they're like delving into these strange sort of this strange ritual where they're becoming wild animals. Mm -hmm. It's just intense to watch. And, uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I think at the end, I, some criticism I would agree with is the final scene maybe is a little bit predictable or and not the most creative ending to it. Mm. But throughout, uh, throughout, I was just captivated by it. And uh, it's saying a lot because Willem Dafoe's in it and he's strong early on, but you'd think it could use some more Willem Dafoe, especially after the lighthouse. <laughs> that might be my one criticism is it could use more Dafoe, but, um, <laughs> but even without that, it's just, it, it's just a really exciting film and I definitely recommend it. Mm -hmm. I know it's, it, it didn't do as well as expected at the box office. Then on streaming, I saw it was trending on Twitter one, once it was on streaming. So maybe some people are seeing it now. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, definitely worth seeing. So Northman, it's number two on my list for favorites and definitely one of the best movies I've seen this year. Yeah. Uh, it might end up making the top five at the end of the year. Um, great use of scars guard, by the way, he's had some trouble. I don't, I don't know whether it's him like kind of trying to, to shirk off his own like sort of handsomeness leading man material kind of thing uh, i'm just thinking of like when he was in godzilla versus kong and he's playing like this nebbish nerdy character um who's always like snickering to himself it's just it's weird when <laughs> when you look like alexander skarsgård and you you want to be basically screech powers but um <laughs> speaking of actors not to underestimate my number two is uh, actually the batman um and just revisiting it lately on streaming, um, I mean, in a world full of comic book movies, uh, Matt Reeves uh, created a comic book movie that is definitely a cut above what has been coming out lately. I and mean, you see these Marvel movies like Eternals and and the latest Doctor Strange, which are are made by these very idios very idiosyncratic filmmakers and that there are moments they're trying to bust out of the the marvel style guide in those movies um but they can't just quite escape and then you get the batman which i mean uh reeves as like a pop artist is is second to none when you think about his his filmography like the apes movies he made the last two planet of the apes movies uh cloverfield but the um the the american remake of let the right one in he is just like really second to none in terms of like taking something familiar shaking it up uh revitalizing it and you know you get this batman which is clearly uh, like a stylized <laughs> seven um with capes and and super villains you get colin farrell walk running around as the penguin doing this like jersey accent you get paul dano as like incel riddler uh you get zoe kravitz as uh, definitely making her mark as as Catwoman, um, and it's so hard to choose which Catwoman is the greatest of all time. So they're kind of all number one, and Zoe Kravitz rises to that level. You get Robert Pattinson, who doesn't remodel himself into a beefcake um, in order to play Batman. He's just uh, like really imposing. He's really psychologically damaged, <laughs> um, and you get that feeling. There's you know the sequence where he's like 
trying to lay out all the Riddler's clues and he's shirtless and his hair's wet and he's, and he's just like mopey and it, it's, it's like really something else. And, you know, there's something about his little soy boy obsession with, with Selena Kyle as well. That's kind of weird and cute. And then on top of it, you just get great production design. Uh, I love the Giacchino score for it. The sound design is awesome. Uh, it's three hours, but it doesn't feel like three hours. It's, it's actually kind of tight in terms of, of its storytelling. And uh yeah, it's just, you know, when you think about, you know, other great Batman movies like Tim Burton's Batman, The Dark Knight, those aren't just like great Batman movies they are kind of goats when it comes to comic book movies, period. And it's so weird because Batman comes out and a lot of people are like, I think it's like that kind of God tier Batman movie. And, and you know, you don't want to go that way because of recency bias. But at the same time, months later, I have to admit, it is probably up there with those movies. Um so, you know, we'll, we'll see how this hangs uh, through the rest of the year. Yeah, it's a good pick. I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it now, especially after you were talking about it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when it came out, people were like, oh, another Batman movie. But it looked interesting to me and uh, has a lot of strong actors in it, too. So, yes, it, definitely want to check it out. Definitely worth checking out. All right. So let's get to uh, your number three. So my number three nothing like a batman movie it's <laughs> it's really really out there in sort of an art house way it is wheel of fortune and fantasy mm-hmm. um by ryosuke hamaguchi the director of drive my car mm-hmm. um wheel of fortune and fantasy i watched it on criterion um because i have a criterion membership um, and it's one of the few new movies that they put out on Criterion. So it is, mm-hmm. it was released like, I think in December, 2021. So Hamaguchi had, has had an amazing run given that he did drive my car and he also did this film mm-hmm. and uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy is very interesting. It's an anthology film, um, has three, sh- th- what he calls three short stories by Hamaguchi and uh, I know on a previous end credits, we talked about like our favorite anthology films. And then mm-hmm. I saw this shortly after <laughs> it, it would have definitely made my list. Um, just coincidentally, I saw it afterwards and it's, it's uh, quite interesting to watch. Uh, it's very dialogue driven. Um, if you've seen drive my car, a lot of the scenes are like the scene I think is in the back of a limo or in the back of the car where people are talking to each other. There's a lot of like one-on-one characters in conversation throughout these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though you're not getting like all those sort of action flourishes, it's really intense to watch and you learn a lot about these characters. Uh, and the three episodes, all of them are excellent. I would say they get stronger as they go on. So first one's very good. Second one's even better. And then the third one is just, I think, an absolute masterpiece. Um, and they're all related to women in um, Japan. Um, the first episode called Magic or something less assuring, it's, it has two women in the back of a taxi cab. And one of the women is talking about a relationship. She's just... She's just gotten involved with a a new man in her life. And she's talking about how that's going and her friend just listening, listening uh, 
you know, really intently to what she's saying, offering some advice. Mm-hmm. And then when her friend leaves the cab, she asks, uh, she asks the cab driver to turn around to go back from where they, they came. And she goes and confronts because she realizes that it's her ex-boyfriend that the woman <laughs> was talking about. And so she goes to this in because she had said he's a president of an interior design company. So she goes to that interior design company and he's still working, you know, it's late at night. It's these little details that are like true to life in Japan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they often work longer hours. It, it, she asks him where his bedroom is now. He actually lives where he works just up. He's got a bedroom upstairs from where he works and she confronts him and just plays mind games with him. She's just like, he's like, well, it's been two years. I'm on with my, on to something new here. And she's, she's just saying, well, what about me? But maybe I don't want to be with you. And it's very fascinating. And then later on in that episode, um, the two women are at a cafe and the love interest, he just happens to walk by and uh, the woman he's dating now waves him in. And then there's that whole awkward moment where they have to pretend to not know each other, him and his ex-girlfriend. Um, and it's really, really interesting dynamics because it's all, all like dialogue, all conversational. Yet, yet it's very entertaining. Mm. And then the second episode, which I think is even better than the first one, is called Door Wide Open. <laughs> and it's about a professor who has just written an award-winning book. Um, but uh, one of his former female students comes to visit him and trying to put him in a honey trap. Uh, basically, she's comes and starts reading like this really erotic section of the book he's just written. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to get a reaction from him and door wide open just goes to the fact that she tries to close the door and he always says, no, keep the door open. Whenever he in- interacts with students is always keep the door open. So talks a lot, it, definitely talking a lot about w- what's happening in the world today. Um, and yeah, she, she tries to trap him because she's in a relationship, a friend with benefits relationship with a student that he has flunked. Um, he flunked the student in French. So as revenge, he wants uh, his friend with benefits to go in there and uh, put the professor in a compromising position. And th- even with that simple setup, there's so much that goes on with the dialogue between the two in the conversation they have in how her reading out from the book, how that's all played out. Uh, and it definitely, definitely makes you think, I think, there's definitely some comments on um, the ego of artists because he definitely mm-hmm. has an ego. He loves that she's reading his work. Um, probably <laughs> some comments on Me Too, all kinds of all kinds of elements there. And then the third episode, which I think is by far the best, goes even beyond that, I think. And I'd definitely like to see uh, Hamaguchi's work after this film. Um, cause the third episode is about a woman, she's middle-aged and she's going back for a high school reunion back to her hometown and she leaves the high school reunion disappointed. Um, she, you can just tell she's disappointed. She's talked to a couple people, but she leaves disappointed. And then on her way to the train, she's in the train station. She sees, uh, she sees this woman who she takes for her, um, uh, her ex-girlfriend and the first love of her life who mm. she met in high school. Mm-hmm. And the two of them go back to that woman's house. She's married now. She lives in a mansion. 
her husband's like this pharmaceutical big wig. Um, and they just talk and, but not everything's what it seems. And, you know, how do they really know each other? You know, what, what's really happening here? And the way it's all plays out, I, I just think it, it's really fascinating. And it's fascinating. Hamaguchi calls them his short stories because you could see this as, as a short story. He really invests a lot in the characters. And uh, I would say, yeah, this is definitely worth a watch. It is on Criterion. So I don't think it's on any of the other streaming services. I might be wrong. I actually just looked it up and you can rent it from all the usual suspects. Um, so YouTube, Apple, Google. Uh, so it, you don't need to subscribe to a Criterion to, to get it if you just want to sort of sit down and, wa- and, and, and watch it. So um, that, that does seem to be available to people. And, and having looked that up now, I, I may have to check this out for myself. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my number one so far this year. Okay, Um, (laughs) here's one I I think will probably be on the best of my list and will probably end up on a lot of people's best list. Um, Everything, everywhere, all at once. It is the real multiversal um, adventure movie experience of the year, Uh, (laughs) leaving aside all the the Marvel. But I mean, this really does multiverse best and really does like sort of the zany and outrageousness. But at its center is this like funny complex um mundane uh, but extraordinary family drama you see michelle yo uh as a real comedic actress a dramatic actress an action actress um she really is uh, a, a quadruple if not quintuple threat in this movie and you also get the great comeback of uh, Kehu Kwan, who a lot of people remember from his uh, preteen work in things like Raiders, uh, not Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Temple of Doom and um, Goonies. Uh, I gotta say, he is in his 40s or 50s now, but he uh, still has those boyish uh, good looks and uh, he he does bring a sort of uh, unique enthusiasm to the film. Also, great match for Michelle Yeoh. It's uh, they they are really kind of great together, and this is fun. It's zany. It's poignant. Uh, great effects. Um, it, it, boy, does it move! It you know before you even are really settled into the film, you start bouncing around dimensions and multiversal theory and uh, the whole everything bagel dynamic. It's um, it is a movie unlike any other. It is surpri- and it seems to be connecting with people surprisingly. It is the biggest movie. A24 has ever released in terms of the reception. You know, we talked about Northman earlier, which was, I think, the most expensive movie that uh, A24 has ever made. Perhaps they could take some smallest uh, or some solace that this uh, small budget uh, movie is uh, a box office phenomenon um, and also beating like the big guys at the multiverse game. So not too shabby, not too shabby. Uh Anyway, we'll leave that there and uh, we will look ahead, look back ahead again, and we will consider whether Marcel, the shell with no shoes on, might be one of the best of the year or it's or is it just another movie? I don't think it's just another movie, but we will uh, dig into that after a break. 
You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. nothing in here about finding them. There's so much nothing. She's the best. She. What? But my dad has pink shoes. So do my grandfather. So cute. Peace. Uh, yeah, obviously peace. Like, what a weird thing to try to test to see if someone else is into. Like, of course I'm into peace. No, sorry, I'm a real war person. No, war, actually. I sign all my personal letters. War. Let the battle begin, Marcel. Okay, so that was a clip from Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It's the new film from Dean Fleischer Camp, and it features the voice talents of Jenny Slate and Isabella Rossellina. Excuse me, Isabella Rossellini, and it stars Dean Fleischer Camp, Rosa Salazar, Thomas Mann, and Leslie Stahl? Question mark from 60 Minutes. And I mean, I it's so funny watching this, uh, watching Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which climaxes with a 60 Minutes interview, which I don't think is something any movie has done since The Insider. So. <laughs> 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 homage to the insider to the tobacco scandals yeah. it's, just, it's, it's just interesting it, it's an interesting um it's an interesting detail to include in that leslie Stahl, this like storied newswoman was like so game to like yes i will come to your silly mockumentary and play myself interviewing a little animated shell why not so <laughs> so talk to us about your Marcel the Shell with Shoes on experience. Well, I, uh, yeah, I had requested to watch Marcel because uh, my wife and I, we went to see a movie and we saw a trailer for it and it Mm -hmm. looked weird and wonderful. (laughs) And uh, it is a weird and wonderful little movie. I didn't know all the backstory that there had been some short, short films put out with Marcel Mm -hmm. um, previous to this over like 12 years ago, the first one came out. Um, but yeah, watching it, it was like, yeah, so weird, but like, so life affirming and, uh, Mm -hmm. such a sweet, sweet movie. Um, and there's such a sense of community in it too. How, you know, Marcel is without his family, his family has disappeared and, uh, and uh you know his quest to get them back and dean the filmmaker who puts himself in the story you know as 
the one interviewing Marcel and Dean's going through his own issues, having just gone through a separation Mm -hmm. and uh, it's, and Isabella Rossellini as Connie (laughs) is just tremendous as this, the sweet, sweet old shell, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. The sweet old shell mm-hmm. who um, who's sort of like a mentor to uh, Marcel. And unfortunately, she's going through health issues. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of heavy issues here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, focusing on aging and, and death and separation so despite all that, Marcel's there with this sort of this sweet, innocent outlook on life, uh, which I really, I, I really, really touched me. And at the same time, Marcel just says it the way it is, too. <laughs> There's a lot of just funny jokes where the the dog, uh, the, the dog's an idiot. Why is he? <laughs> Why is yeah, he bark- yeah. why is he barking at that? Yeah. <laughs> why is he barking all the time? You know, it's just very, very blunt, very childlike. And uh yeah, I, I really enjoyed the film. I thought this is such an odd little movie, but it works. And uh yeah, there may be sequels in the future, and I'll definitely be uh going out to the theater to see those too. Yeah, this is such a it's such an odd movie and I don't mean that pejoratively. It, it's just, it's, um, it's very art house, but at the same time, it's very accessible. And, and I went and saw it at the bookshelf on Saturday night and there were kids there, like people brought their kids. Um, and I thought for like, cause it's, you know, it started, the show started at eight 30. So I thought, you know, young kids, you know, it's late at night, late at night by kids standards. Um, you know, are they going to sit there? It's, you know, the shell philosophizes and <laughs> you know we go through aunt uh nanny connie issue uh her issues and um you know this kind of i mean there's also comments on like filmmaking as a as an art like documentary making like they're <laughs> trying to the the shit that both um both marcel and and connie have to tr- are, are sort of led through this understanding of what a documentary is. And so there's some commentary commentary on this. Like, are these kids going to sit here for 90 minutes and, and chew on all this? And they did. Yeah, they did. Like those, <laughs> the kids were engaged every minute of this movie. And that is like, that is so remarkable. Cause I mean, there is some like straight up kind of adult humor in places too. Like the, the, the scene where, uh, Marcel goes into the bathtub and says, you know, th- these these curly hairs are the best for making rope. And she calls oh, yeah. them he calls them uh, hardy hairs or something. And so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why are you laughing? And uh, <laughs> this kind of thing. Um, I, yeah. And just like some of the some of the philosophizing too, like when Marcel's like reading uh, some of the comments on his videos and it's like love and peace. And he's like, well, that's such a bizarre thing to say, like like does anybody want war like i don't i'm not signing things off saying let the battle begin marcel and, <laughs> yeah which is which is a line i loved it's it's and it's it's these little sort of truths um which are kind of you know from what i gather a lot of this was improvised and workshopped between dean and jenny i mean and here's the subtext on top of it uh apparently they are exes dean yeah. uh fleischer camp and and jenny slate are exes and their relationship ended like within a year of them starting this project <laughs> together <laughs> um 
because it's been in the works for like seven years. But I mean, that's a that's a mind f all on its own that you know you're working with your ex on this like elaborate project with stop motion animation and live action and all that um and then you know all the detail that go into and sort of crafting the dialogue and crafting all these scenes it's 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 crazy um but i guess if if they can do it there's hope for all exes to sort of be cordial to one of course there's also this scene between exes in oh, the yeah. film with the rosa salazar and thomas mann character where apparently they can't even be in a room with each other like for two minutes without starting something which ends up being a key spoiler <laughs> in the course of the yeah. film uh yeah there's just there's just so much going on with this it's um but but I mean, even just like on a s- superficial level, it's just it's just super enjoyable and super cute and and sweet and funny and uh, it, it, there's a line um, in Nope where uh, someone says like we don't deserve the impossible and uh, you know I'm I'm watching this and thinking we we don't deserve Marcel the shovel shoes on it, <laughs> it's too it's too nice for this world yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about like their relationship and their, their personal lives between mm-hmm. Dean and Jenny Slate, and then mm-hmm. there are multiple scenes of couples arguing mm-hmm. and the um, shells and all everything. They have to go into the sock drawer to hide mm-hmm. um, when that's taking place. And uh, yeah, and it's interesting you said about the the kids at uh, bookshelf. Um, you know, sitting still and really engaged because I did go back and watch the short films on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And one of the top comments was a mother saying, I can't get my kids to sit still for anything, but they're watching these videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So That's, they've, so they've come up, upon a secret formula there. I think the voice work by Jenny Slate is mm-hmm. definitely top notch, not only comedic, but really really sweet to listen to right really Mm -hmm. yeah it really gets your attention in a very understated way yeah 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 it's it's really great voice work by her and yeah like isabella rossellini too as you said like she's uh she's so great um she's so sweet um as as connie and like they have a really great um relationship and it's you know there is this commentary about you know parents getting older and caretaking um it's very very subtle but it is implied that uh connie has dementia because it, it she they have to explain that they're doing this documentary to her a couple of times mm-hmm. and um th- there's the whole subplot about how how connie is sick and they want to do this 60 minutes thing, but like the whole thing with the, 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 the videos going viral. And this is a really great commentary too. It's like Marcel starts this video to like try and find um, links to like where her fan or where his family went. I say her cause it's Jenny Slade, but uh, where, where the, fi- where, where his family went and it becomes, a, it, be- it becomes a whole thing where like people are, have tracked down Marcel's house using yeah. Google Maps <laughs> within and, a matter of hours. Yeah. yeah, and then they're like going outside and they're running on the lawn and taking selfies and with the selfie stick. And you know, Marcel like sort of wistfully says, like, you know, I, you know, it's, um, 
oh, what is this? What does she? What does he say? It's it's like it's an audience, not a community. And he was looking for a community, and it's like mm-hmm. it's this little profound moment of of like statement about the current culture. And it's like you know these things, uh, these funny little videos. It, and we, we sort of do this with a lot of, you know, people who, who reach virality on social media. Like it, it comes, sometimes it comes from a very genuine place and then it becomes commodified and digitized and parodied. And, and it, it, you know, at some point it stops becoming the thing it was meant to be and it just becomes another bit of content. And so it was, it, that was some very pointed commentary there from Dean. I don't know if it was a reaction to sort of um, making those Marcel short films, but um there's there's something going on there for sure yeah just going through all the comments and (laughs) yeah i'm sure it can make you go crazy just if you've got a viral video and just people take it all different sorts of ways and Mm -hmm. never read the comments yeah then marcel's in his own (laughs) marcel's in his own sort of private sort of prison there and then Mm -hmm. he was able to roam free you know even though he missed his family. They weren't there. He's still able, he was able to roam free. And now with all these gawkers and people, selfie sticks, like you're <laughs> saying, he's like trapped in his own, mm-hmm. you know, just trapped inside that house. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. Yeah. Definitely a comment on that. And I'm sure some of that's coming from Dean and Jenny Slate and the other creators, uh, just, from what they see in the world or maybe what, what happened to them after doing those short films, but mm-hmm. yeah. Are you just like, you know, Jenny slates become, I don't know if she's a household name, but she's certainly like from obvious child and, you know, a lot of these smaller films, she's also appeared in big films like venom too. So she's definitely become a bigger star over the, 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 the during the making of, of Marcel. So, yeah. So that I mean that could very well be. Yeah, and that's interesting. And yeah, and there three of them wrote the screenplay: Dean Fleischer, Camp, Jenny Slate, Nick Paley. So maybe Nick Paley was there as the buffer between <laughs> that. Yeah, he could have been a negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be it too. Um, the artistry. I, I wanted, you know, it, it, this is like a strangely like a great summer for stop motion because you get this um but also phil tippett's mad god which he was you know working on for like 30 years um it's it's on shutter and I, i'm by no means saying if you love marcel the shell with shoes on go watch mad god i'm not saying that at all but in terms of like finding new appreciation for the artistry of stop motion um this has been a pretty good summer with those two things yeah, it's really it's very interesting to watch and such a weird concept to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to 2010 or before then, whenever they came up with this, just a shell with shoes on, you know, <laughs> it's like one eye, you know, how do you, <laughs> how do you come up with this? Uh, you know, it, it, which is cool just to be so quirky and just go with it, right? Mm-hmm. Just say, we're going to call this Marcel the shell with shoes on, you know, this is just just what we're going to do, you know, (laughs) we're not going to try to try to edit it in any way. Just so I thought, I thought that was, that was cool. And Leslie Stahl from 60 minutes, bringing her in. (laughs) um, That was great. Cause you know, also you're saying like, you know, Connie most likely is going through dementia and Mm -hmm. 
Connie and Marcel, they're one thing they love doing together is watching 60 minutes. So, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people with elderly parents or loved ones, they have that favorite show or shows they watch together. So it's very, very realistic in a way. So for a movie called Marcel, the shell with shoes on realistic in a lot of ways too, right? All that great artistry with the stop motion, but kind of just cuts to the core of like, just issues people face and it does so and in a way that still makes you still makes you happy after seeing it right you're still very very up uh uh and just i think it was very life-affirming uh it took a shell to make me see that (laughs) (laughs) no it is so life i mean and there's like oh it you know there's such touching moments where um Marcel talks about, you know, finding peace of mind. It's like you can be alone in a room, but if there's like a party going on in the next room and you sort of hear the people laughing and carrying on and having a good time, you, you, you know, you can find serenity as well as reassurance just because like there's some people hanging out in the next room and, and the, you know, there's such, I, I don't know what, I don't know what you would call it, but you know, there is that sort of peace of mind that you could separate from. I, I, I think we, we get this commentary a lot that, it, you know, we, we are in a very noisy world. We're constantly bombarded with things. We have a, a little brick in our pocket that's constantly badgering us for our attention, but it's okay to just step away. It's okay to step away and go to the laundry room and look out and, and feel the breeze on your face. And th- one of the things I found about this movie is just, you know, it begins with quiet and it ends with quiet it, it, it opens with this quiet where you just hear the breeze around the house and there's like maybe some music playing far off, like maybe in the room, maybe upstairs. Then you just see the tennis ball bouncing down the stairs. And of course, Marcel does this thing where he goes into the tennis ball and rolls around. Um, but then the movie ends with Marcel at the window in the laundry room as the, as the breeze passes through his shell. And it's just this quiet sound. And then it goes to black. And you just hear the sound. It, it just it's it, it's so soothing and reassuring. It's just it's just you know movies, modern movies. We aren't typically well known for quiet, mm-hmm. and so that's I, I found that very kind of soothing at the end of that movie. That it just ends with this kind of quiet of just the breeze passing through the shell. Yeah, that's great. Very zen like yeah. and. Yeah, I, I try to seek out sometime, sometimes si- more silent movies or movies with silences. And this is interesting in a way because it's still, I think, very traditionally entertaining, yet it has those silences, sure. Yeah, which is, which is really, uh, you know, really, really cool because, you know, a lot of the more silent movies... I guess a director really known for American director like Jim Jarmusch sometimes in his movies, right? Um, it's not he gets more into like everyday life and the silence is there. And mm-hmm. this one is just yeah, I think it, it's interesting because you said that the children who were there at the screening they they were enthralled by it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've sort of they've created this formula 
uh, maybe that's not the best word for it because it's hard to say Marcel the shell with shoes on is a formula. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that works, right? That, you know, it makes, brings about these emotions in people mm-hmm. in sort of a movie that I think could have broad appeal if people, yeah, maybe aren't skeptical based on the title or based on the poster or anything like that. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just, it's a kid's movie, but it's not just a kid's movie. And it's, I mean, it's very hard. I, I did, I did not see any trailers for this before seeing it, which is very rare for me. Cause I'll at least watch a trailer just to get a sense of things, but it, it, um, it is not what you expect. And like there were moments at the beginning where I'm I'm kind of like just watching them go about the day and filming stuff and filming random stuff. And I'm like, how are you making a 90 minute movie out of this? But it, you know, you look back and it it all unfolds quite beautifully um, in terms of how it builds it up and then like sort of just gently lets you off. It is, um, it it is a a really lovely movie and. Uh, boy it's it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to think about like superlatives about it, it just it's it's a movie that just happens it just gently happens it washes over you and then you leave and you think about like some of these funny lines or these poignant moments and you know there's a really there, there's also some tear jerking moments obviously in the course of the story too and it's uh it just happens and it's beautiful <laughs> it is yeah like I, I'm trying to come up with a comparison and I almost was thinking like Mr. Rogers, mm. uh, beautiful mm-hmm. day in the neighborhood. I really like that film, but even that, you know, you don't have the, you don't have the sharp com- comedy that you have in this too. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I really appreciate. I appreciate all of it, but when Marcel will just tell it like it is too, mm-hmm. you know, so you still have, you know, the sweet stuff and then you have the stuff like that dog's an idiot kind of thing. So <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's rare, right? That's, you know, comedy and drama mixed together, which a lot of people try to do, but I think this worked. It was just like, yeah, just something, something you could watch. Yeah. I could probably watch this multiple times and still be quite entertained by it and quite captivated by it. I think so too. And, and so, you know, I think the message of the the day is like, if you can find this movie on the big screen, uh, check it out but um, if you can find it at all check it out it's um, there's nothing really like it and that's um, that's really rare these days when you go to the movies but that's it for this week's show I'm afraid we hope you liked it if, if you want to listen to it again you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com you can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the show. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Tim, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, flash in the deadpan on social media. Feel free to reach out if you have any other suggestions. <laughs> or movies like Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. <laughs> <laughs> Any other shell-based movies you can yeah. find. Uh, that may be limited to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles catalog, but I digress. Okay. 
Uh, <laughs> I will be back here uh, in repeat form Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics and Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. We're taking a break from that show for a couple of weeks, but we are running some uh, best of. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca, and you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community radio we shall return next wednesday at 3 p.m for another new edition of end credits and we will see you then <laughs>